You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here tonight to talk about the 2021 Ravens wide receivers in our positional review. Joining me to do it, Josh Reed. How you doing, Josh? I'm doing great, Ken. All things considered, you know, Ravens not in the playoffs, but it is what it is. Yeah, we're uh, we're yeah, I'm gonna have to go through these positional reviews no matter what. Talk about a season that obviously had a lot of downs, more downs than ups, uh, frankly, and. Uh, uh, tell folks, first of all, where they can find your stuff online. Uh, so I'm a contributor for at Baltimore Beatdown, uh, the SB Nation site covering the Baltimore Ravens. So you can find all my work there at BaltimoreBeatdown.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at JoshReed907. 
people, 907. I always said 90 because that's just what we're used to saying, but it's 907. The area code. Yep. The area code in uh, in Anchorage, Alaska, where you live. What's the temperature in Anchorage on this fine January night, January 15th, we're recording? Right now, it's actually kind of warm given this time of year. It's 25 degrees Fahrenheit. 25 degrees. So not too much colder than here, honestly, in Baltimore. It's a, it's about that. Yeah, we actually so, have some pretty uh, bad wind, wind, wind storms on Josh. I bet. I bet. Now, if, if you go north to Fairbanks, they really have to heat up their engines even to start their car, right? Oh, yeah, because they're uh, in like a, a giant. temperate there. Yeah. Average. So Fairbanks is basically a giant bowl. So it gets like the coldest of the cold, like negative, like 20, negative 40. And they get the hottest of the hot. Like you'll hear sometimes they'll reach up to like 100 degrees in Fairbanks. Like 100 degrees in Alaska? Never heard of it. If you live in Fairbanks, you'll guess you get the coldest of the cold and the hottest of the hot. That is quite a range, uh, certainly more than we get here in Baltimore. Let's talk what Ravens wide receivers here. And uh, a lot of guys had some snaps for the Ravens. They expected it going into the season, I think, to be a position of strength. Uh, groin injury, assorted injuries maybe, I, I should say, with, with Rashad Bateman uh, coming out of camp. He didn't uh, get going until late. Uh, the Ravens, uh, you know, depended on veterans like uh, – Sammy Watkins, like uh, uh, Marquise Brown, of course, who was who was uh, playing primarily and playing pretty well early in the season. Um, and then they ended up where they did uh, at the end of the year, frankly, with backup quarterbacks and offensive tackle limiting in a lot of ways what they could do at wide receiver. But let's just start going through these players one at a time here. And you're the guest. Who would you like to start with? Um, we could start with uh, Mr. Hollywood Brown. I know that um, he's a bit of a Hot, hot button, hot button topic among a lot of Ravens fans right now. Um, they say he started off incredibly hot. I mean, the guy was on pace for I think like thirteen hundred yards or something crazy to start the season, and then he just I kind of I mean, along with the team itself, you know, attrition kind of set in, and and his, his he went from averaging almost hundred yards a game to I think he finished with like 63, 63 yards a game. So it kind of real, really tailed off. Same with the rest of the team uh, down the stretch. Yeah, it was it was a lot worse than that for Brown because his his role on the team was was changed dramatically. So early in the year, uh, he was north of ten yards a target for the uh, for the beginning of the year. The last I want to say it was nine games, but I'm going to look it up right now because I don't I want to get this right. Yeah, the last nine games of the season, starting with the Miami game. Uh, where he had 13 targets for 37 yards, then 10 for 51, 7 for 55, 8 for 41, 14 for 43, 9 for 44, 8 for 28, and 8 for 27. Uh, he averaged 4.3 yards per target in those last nine weeks of the season. Uh, so that was pretty – actually, yeah, nine weeks of the season, he played eight of those games. Uh, just awful was getting tons of targets still it just they ended up being five yard throws and some of them were complete when he threw them longer they generally did not complete them yeah i mean it was really a tale of two halves for him like i said earlier in the season they were lamar was really pushing the ball downfield and I, I honestly think it was kind of a i think i think his, his lack of pass protection kind of made him more skittish down the stretch you know so he, he was a little less reluctant to you know you know, hold the ball a little longer, throw those balls and to anybody except for Mark Andrews, you know. So um, I really think his trust in Hollywood kind of wavered and his trust in his pass protection kind of wavered and that adversely affected Hollywood season. And then the drops, too. Um, um, he had some pretty bad drops starting with the Detroit mm-hmm. game. And then um, even to this very last game, he had a couple he had a couple drops in there. And he could have he could have easily had over 1,200 yards had it not been for some of those key drops. And then some of the you know changes that office kind of went through as a as a progression. 
Yeah, I think you know if he kept up his early season pace, he would have had a huge year. One of the biggest, probably. Uh, receiving years in Ravens history had he maintained his pace through that Minnesota game in uh, what was that week eight or nine uh, and then you know things went very much south on him uh, was catching a lot of balls north of 20 yards a catch a lot of you know 40 plus yard balls frankly he had three 40 plus yard TDs another at 39 uh, the last nine weeks of the season he only had one catch of 20 plus yards and that's a lot of targets, folks, uh, to have only one catcher, 20-plus yards. And one of the problems was down the stretch, obviously Lamar was not having a good streak at the beginning of those games. But once uh, Huntley took over and Johnson had time as well, I, I felt like Roman really had to scheme for the lack of pocket presence that Huntley had and was really forcing the ball out quickly by play design. So they would have either short to long reads or Andrews to short to long reads, as I call them, where the only guy he's really looking for for any significant distance is Andrews. After that, it's five yard out to Brown or it's some sort of um, pass behind the line of scrimmage asking Brown to make a play after uh, with the run. So uh, what they asked Brown to do in this offense, a lot different than his normal uh, nine route. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was definitely like it's just a completely like turn on its head, one one eighty, if you will. I mean, it just I just can remember so many times like, man, where was the early season Hollywood where they're really airing it out? And that's not really one of the Kyle Huntley's strengths is, is is the deep ball. There are play there there are a couple times where he had Marquise, you know, had a guy beat deep down the field, and he either just overthrew it or underthrew it. You know, if you go back to the Rams game, he underthrew it. Mm-hmm. You go back to the um, where was the, the he? There was another throw he had just for a two minute warning against. Forget who it was a few weeks back where he missed them. I think it was against the. I think it was against the same game against the Rams. Just for a two minute warning, and then he he missed them. He could they could have saved the timeout, but um yeah, this like, it wasn't really Tyler Huntley's strength. And then you you know Josh Johnson for one game. Only guy that's really getting the ball down deep down the field was dangerous. Right. I really, that's that's the only guy they were looking for deep. I, I, Brown uh, had a really good catch percentage to start off the season. Ended up okay, but not great in that category, particularly for for the the uh, distance those those balls were traveling. Ninety one out of one forty one one forty six for the season. So I know that's under two uh, two thirds. But let's just do that real quick. At 62%, which really isn't what you want from a receiver. It's not terrible. There's a lot of guys who are deep ball threats who are in the 50s, but uh, it's not what you want out of a guy who, who might be your number one receiver. Uh, you want a higher higher completion percentage and, and more average yards both. So uh, a bummer of a year for Brown. Let's let's move on and talk a little bit about Rashad Bateman. And I'll let you just start with any comments. Didn't get his first action until the Chargers game in week six. Yeah. And what, what was your over under for Rashad? It was like it was right around 500, right? His receiving yards. I think with the injury early on, I was projecting him not to come back for about three more weeks, and I had him at 250 yards under. But okay. he, he easily cleared that at 515. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I loved what I saw from Rashad. I mean, considering what he had, what he had to battle back from. I mean, honestly, he wasn't. In my opinion, he wasn't targeted enough. He finished with 68 targets and 46 catches. But um, I, I feel like there were a, like it was such a weird thing. They would start off the games like with him, like target him early, and then he'd get to, like. One to no to no targets in the second half. And I was like, I don't understand that. Like, you know, you you target Rashad like first 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 drive two two or three times, catch catch first down first down first down, and you kind of just go away from it. 
I mean, the, I mean, I guess the Cleveland game, the second Cleveland game was a bit different from that. You know, they were kind of airing it out a little bit more. He kind of got consistent targets. But that was like the only game where he had the same amount of targets in the first half as he did in the second half. So I, I, I definitely think that they kind of shied away from him in times that they shouldn't. And then he had he had opportunities where, you know, he was open, I felt like, quite often, and they just weren't going his direction. They either forcing it to Andrews or just didn't see him. Right. I, I, I agree. I mean, the X receiver got a little bit taken out of the game period because there was some rolling with Huntley. They did to the, to the right primarily didn't keep him exclusively in the pocket. When you roll right, you often take that X receiver out of the game. Uh, if he's deep on that left side and of course he's tethered, but, but if he, if he, if he goes deep, then you, uh, you, you probably do not have him as a reasonable option. Uh, he has to cross the field to make a play. It can happen if the play's extended, Roman scheme and, and, and frankly, Huntley's abilities and the tackles abilities were not allowing for extended plays down the stretch. Uh, that's something Lamar could do, but, but uh, obviously they, they had a lot of trouble with Bateman. Bateman's hands had been a big issue at Minnesota, and we did see some issues with that in, in this season. He had a couple drops, but he, more importantly, he had a couple balls that, that went off his hands for interceptions. Yeah, those are the plays that you can't have as reliable of a chain mover as he was, especially to you know start off. It's just like you know those other plays when you when you're on a team that's so banged up as the Ravens you know were for majority of the season. You know you almost have to play a perfect game just to just to keep up with teams. So you can't have those you know those errors where you have balls you know tip balls and overthrows that usually end up in the hands of the other team. So um like I said, if he cleans that part of his game up, which which you know he he did you know a, a better job of down the stretch. Like you know he had a lot of those tips and tips and stuff you know early on when he first got back but he could really clean it up down the stretch yeah a guy who the, the offense did depend on in terms of a fair um, percentage of the targets down the stretch there's still more were going to to brown and still more to andrews but uh he he got the most wide receiver snaps in a number of games down the stretch uh, which means a, a couple of things first of all that they that they believe in his durability and his ability to play more snaps but second of all they probably liked him as a blocker better than brown so they had him on for you know more yeah. Uh, run snaps. Yeah, he actually had a pretty, some pretty good, uh, nice downfield blocks, especially on some QB runs. Um, the last game, in particular, he had two nice ones for um, for Huntley on uh, on, on keeper, quarterback keepers and scrambles. Yeah, I, I, I'm happy with with that part of his game, certainly, and uh, and and we hope that some of the other things they'll have a chance to chance to improve. And I, honestly, I think that we have not seen what Rashad Bateman can be as a route runner all the way without having Lamar Jackson in for any significant amount of his playing time uh, to, to really lead him on a lot of throws. And so it, he was certainly better in those early games when Lamar was around and, and really looked like the, the real deal at that point uh, up through that first Cleveland game. But, uh, but after that, didn't, uh, didn't look particularly great. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of that, unfortunately, is, is not on him. Uh, in terms of the offense changing and making him less of a target. Yeah, um, like I said, the, the offense as a whole, but the receiver position in particular really kind of struggled struggled down the stretch. And I don't you know, say a lot of it was no fault of their own. You know, it's just like you said, the opponent you were playing, um, the quarterback you were playing with, you know, we don't have number eight out, out there. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's really a difference. And then I feel like the time missed, the time missed between from Lamar having COVID in training camp, from Rashad having his injury in training camp, and Marquise missed a good chunk of training camp too. Um, it didn't seem to affect Marquise to start the season, and um, but as far as Rashad, you know that that chemistry between him and Lamar just wasn't quite as it as it was. I think this offseason is going to be really huge for all three of those guys to get on the same page. 
be nice if they could get time together and, and, you know, be uninjured and, and get some practice time together. It seems to, Lamar seems to want to do that. All, all of the receivers still need positional training. You know, they still benefit from that. And I, I've said this more about the inside linebackers because I really don't want to see workout videos about Patrick Queen. I, I know he's going to work out. I'm really not concerned about that part of his game. I want him to get the positional training necessary to clean up his tackling, clean up his block shedding, figure some things out about coverage, both downhill and behind him. Uh, you know, and Bateman, you know, is needs time on a jugs gun. He needs time uh, still to practice his craft at the top of the route and make sure that that's honed to an NFL level. So there's certainly coaches you can work with on on that during the offseason. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of there's, I mean, they hired one of the best ones in the, in the business and um and Keith yes. Williams and Keith Williams. So I'm not sure now that he's a part of the staff. I'm not sure how like the rules work as far as being able to contact with the players in the offseason. You know, so that might be making it a little tricky. He might have to you know just like maybe send him home with a route book or you know give him some stuff to work on individually and have his own coach. But um, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Who knows. I think I think he gets his own coaching guru, and 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 you know there's something to be said I think for having a different coach during the off season than your regular season coach, and just it it you you layer on some learning. Hopefully you don't erase learning that your your you know your primary coaches, whether it's the OC or the or the quarterbacks coach, for example, want you to learn. But I think Josh Harris certainly had a positive impact on Lamar, and I I don't think that it's too wrong to have two different ways to learn how to do things. Yeah, I mean, there's never you can never. I won't say you can never have too many voices, but it's always good to have not necessarily contracting, contrasting voices, but like a, you know, like a second opinion, like you know, like another person who may not see things, you know, as, as good as Keith Williams is and has proven he can be with some of the best in the business. You never know if he knows a guy who knows a guy who might you know be like be better with, at, at working with uh, you know young receivers on owning that part of their um part of their craft. So you never know. All right, the, th- the third receiver. Let's let's move on and talk about Sammy Watkins a little bit. A guy brought in for five million dollars this year, and and uh, honestly, just on a one year prove it deal, I I think there is really no chance he'll return to the Ravens. He only had three targets in the last five weeks of the season. It didn't, com- didn't none of them completes, so no catches. Uh, didn't end up with a particularly good year in terms of yards per target. Did have a few big plays for the Ravens, and I don't want to totally um, slough off, hand wave away what he did for the Ravens in those first five weeks of the season when he was really helping the team. But uh, did not do much down the stretch, and that you know, starting from that fateful Miami game uh, where the Ravens' season really started to turn south, uh, he did not do much at all. Yeah, I mean that Miami game. I mean, if he catches that touchdown, that's a difference. If he doesn't fumble the ball, even though I thought that was kind of bang, bang, that doesn't happen. Then, you know, you never know how that game turns out. But, um, I mean, I mean, the Ravens didn't even, like his 5 million wasn't even fully guaranteed. It really was, a, it was, a, it was like worth up to 5 million. So it's like, I mean, it was like a one year flyer thing, provided some good veteran leadership. He performed well in, in, in training camp and it got, got a lot of people excited thinking that, you know, not necessarily that his injury woes would be behind him, but that, you know, he could provide some dead receiver room. And he was, like you said, he was pretty clutch in those first couple of weeks. You know, we don't win that Detroit game without him, without that fourth in with a 29-26. You know, the same doesn't come down with that ball. Yeah, fourth and, and then, 19. Yeah. Yeah, fourth and, yeah, fourth and 19. And then the, the Chicago game, he picks up that that big uh, conversion yep. for, for Huntley. So, I mean, he, he made – 
he made the, the big plays that they necessarily signed him for. They didn't sign him with expecting him to put up 500 yards or, he, or you know, 1,000 yards or even 500 yards. But they wanted, they wanted him to provide that veteran presence, that big game, you know, being able to, like, you know, I wouldn't say playoff, playoff Sammy because they didn't make the playoffs, but, you know, but you know that, that clutch factor that some of the younger receivers were lacking or were, un, were unproven. Okay, well, I mean that's it, that's a fair point. It looks like to me he did earn five million this year. By the way, oh, um, he did. I'm just looking at this. I don't, I don't want to. Yeah, it's, I've got it, it, the OTC number has him as one point two five million of base salary with three point seven five million of prorated bonus. Uh, so I, the cap number is five million for the year. So I, I don't know if that's if there maybe was something he he didn't collect because he didn't make a level and there's some refund of the Ravens. I'm I, I really not sure, but it looks like to me he he. He earned five million, so yeah. it's it's a signing. I think in, in retrospect, you got to look at it, and I hope some Ravens fans will and say, "Look, these free agent signings they don't they don't tend to be value signings." And when I say that, I mean it's the intermediate dollar ones and the high dollar ones. Those are the ones where you don't always get value. And Sammy Watkins at five million was not a value for the Ravens. I don't I don't think there's any way I can twist it into being that. Um, a lot of the one million dollar players they got on the other hand, whether that's Bynes or uh, trying to think of other players they got for a million, like Houston, you know, was a million with some additional Ellis certainly, uh, you know, are, are guys that that do end up you know being an important piece at that price. And I think that, that uh, uh, you know Watkins was was an unfortunate non factor, and I think the Ravens, as soon as they started to really pile up injuries, and they were even that much tighter on cap, probably regretted the, the Watkins signing. Yeah, and I, I really feel like it kind of got in the way of, of, of some of the progress that a lot of the young receivers were making and the promise that they showed. James Prochet in particular, who I want to talk about next, um, I feel like I, 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 I've written recent weeks, I've written about how Rashad Bate was being underutilized. There's nobody on this team that's been underutilized more than James Prochet. I mean, the guy, <laughs> I mean, like, it, it, it's crazy. The guy sets new career highs almost every time he steps on the field, and then he gets in, he's inactive for the, the couple games. I don't understand it. The guy's clutch. He moves the chains, and I just feel like I—I I feel like James Prochet should have been active for every game this year, as long as he was healthy. And if that meant benching Sammy for a week because you know he wasn't producing, then so be it. Mick made all the sense in the world to bench Sammy down the stretch. He wasn't part of the 2022 plans, still isn't, and and a player like Prochet is. And it's very important the Ravens figure out what they have. James Prochet will be a third-year player next year. He almost starts the camp on the bubble. One more year, he will he will be on the bubble to start camp because you don't have any future value you're, you're buying into. You, you only have that current year value. So going into year three, uh, you know, it, it just makes sense to know more about what Prochet was. The other reason why I like Prochet better than Watkins is his style fit the slants and all the quick routes that they wanted to run down the stretch here. And I know, you know, they have other guys who can play in the slot and Watkins is more of an X and they can use him there. But it's it, it is a it was an option to use him. And I think they would have gotten more value from him in those last few games with Huntley. Uh, running some of the routes he didn't when he when he did play he played very well yeah most certainly I mean especially like on some of those like gotta have it downs I mean the guy averaged like 10.1 yards per target so like that I mean that, I wouldn't I would say that doesn't tell you everything you need to know but if he's averaging 14.4 yards a catch and 10.10.1 yards uh you know uh, a target that's a guy who knows what his sticks are who knows he knows who knows where to be for his quarterback and there are a lot of times where he would even pluck some of the you know dirt balls off the ground go down and make it make a tough catch go up and make a tough catch I mean the things that he was flashing in training camp in the preseason, you know, latter half of the preseason, you know, he displayed when he was on the field and got the opportunity. He just didn't get enough opportunities. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, 80% catch rate obviously is central to, to that outstanding yards per target number, but you don't ever have to apologize for pointing to yards per target. It's the single most important receiving stat, and it's why I quote it for basically the, highest every on, receiver. Highest among all receivers on the, on the team, highest among all receivers. Yeah. Just twenty. It's just twenty targets. Was the is the sample size is the problem with it? It's not the it's not the yards per target. And we had other. I mean, the, the the entire team was off to an amazing start in terms of yards per target through about those first five weeks through the Indianapolis game, and then things started to unravel a little bit with uh, with lower yards per target numbers. All right, uh, who do we still need to talk about? We still got Devin uh, Duvernay. Devin Duvernay to talk about, Mr. All Pro, Obviously, All Pro. Turner. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. All-Pro returner. Um, another guy who I feel like was really underutilized, and um, he could have had – he finished with two touchdowns, could have had three, had Blink Cleveland held his block against Aaron Donald, but that's easier said than done. Um, but, uh, yeah, Devin Duvernay is a guy who I feel like, you know, needs a, needs a bigger role in this offense who could have benefited from more – more uh, more snaps and more targets out you know instead of Sammy Watkins like I'm like I said I want to just keep banging on Sammy but I really feel like him being active and 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 up was the and in, in the game at times was a detriment to the development of the young receivers like even though we already know what kind of talent we have in Devin Duvernay because you know he's he's good for explosive plays every time he touches the ball just about but um it's just the fact that um he didn't like I said like Prochet didn't get enough opportunities and then his so I feel like his yards per target I think it was only like but 5.8. 5.8. But that was because I think they're throwing more screens his direction and trying to get him stuff behind the line of scrimmage or, you know, at the line of scrimmage or near the line of scrimmage, trying to get him going. Similar to what they did with Hollywood, with, with Hollywood, but with, um, with, uh, with, du- with Duvernay, like it's in some of those, um, uh, we call it the shovel passes where like, you know, the little, the little jet, jet passes, they'll count it as mm-hmm. some of those counted as, as um, receptions. And even though they only went for four or five yards, that still was de- detrimental to his um, yards per target. So, yeah, I don't know that there's really they have to be a failure or whatnot, but certainly the Ravens run game probably held Duvernay back on some of his ability to get open in the middle of the field, to make dam- to do damage after the catch in the middle of the field, and even on the jet motion type plays, you know, obviously if if the opposing defenses had to respect the Ravens running backs at all then it would have been a lot better for the receivers, for for uh, Jackson to run himself, and for Jackson to extend plays and make plays uh, off schedule. Yeah, because everybody was clamoring, myself included. Right. Oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say, everybody was clamoring for no. du- for Duvernay to get, you know, oh, use my Debo Samuels, use my Debo Samuels. Well, the reason that Debo Samuels is, you know, one, he's a whole different breed of athlete. And also, other opposing teams have to respect the Niners rush, running backs. You got to respect Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, and those guys who can actually threaten you from out of the backfield. A lot of the times, Ravens running backs weren't really threatening like that. Now, don't get me wrong, Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray show some juice at times, but those were few and far between. Yeah, and, and very few and far between. I mean, basically those guys, in, in particular Murray, who didn't really show up until the, the last week of the season, uh, was a problem. The Ravens, more than that, they just didn't have an outside speed threat. Tyson Williams would have been the guy. He's the fastest back they have. He also happens to probably be the most efficient tackle breaker of the group. For whatever reasons that are not visible to us, never gained the coach's favor in terms of, of – getting an opportunity to play after looking pretty damn good when he was out there. He, he, uh, by the way, averaged 9.3 yards per reception this year, which certainly is not terrible for a running back. I'm trying to see what he did in in terms of rushing this year, but I know he didn't have many opportunities uh, the entire season. Yeah, after the first half of the the Vegas game, he just just went to the doghouse. 
Yeah, 5.3 yards per carry. And he only had two carries uh, in the last, after week seven. In, uh, and that that's not going to do it, obviously. But but he had the, the fumble in, uh, against Las Vegas that got picked up for the touchdown. Actually, I think it was against Kansas City, right? Kansas City, yeah. The touchdown by Duvernay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an unfortunate thing that probably set him back. But I, I, something tells me that it was probably something about the response to being told you can't fumble the football that's more what they bothered him. And I've talked about this on other shows, but at least what I like about Tyson Williams is the fact that they, they didn't cut him after one season is an indication or during his first season is an indication that they think he's got too much talent to cut. So there's no reason to keep him on your roster, activate him every week, unless you're actually going to use him in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he may have just been like a emergency back stash kind of thing. Um, prove yourself a special teams kind of thing, but um, it's uh, it's unfortunate. You know, I, I was writing about this about every week until I just decided to stop. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's uh, that's how it kind of was with Patrick Queen too. It's just a point at which you just don't want to pile on anymore, and uh, you know things aren't working, or or they were working for a while, and then then it's it's fun to write about. But then you know nobody wants to read negative stuff about certain players and or or you know about things that aren't working. Let's move on. Uh, Tylen Wallace got some play at the end of the year. Uh, I thought played pretty well on special teams. He certainly had his moments. Um, got six targets at the end of the year with a couple catches. Uh, looked like he, he had a little bit of juice after the catch. Uh, certainly wasn't perfect before the catch. Had Sam Cook's first career incompletion. I believe that's still true in that in that yep. week eighteen game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a kind of a bit of a tough game. He kind of had to go back for it, and that, I think that was a play he had injured on too. Didn't come back in the game after that. Um, but um, yeah, he was that's a primarily special teams player. He's a pretty good gunner. Um, there was there there are a lot of times he he downed some of the Cooks punts inside the twenty. So um, I wouldn't say he was like you know Chris Moore two point but he was pretty good on special teams. He was active for all seventeen games. So that that shows you you know the, the kind of the kind of onus the Ravens put on special teams to value him in that phase of the game. But um, I definitely agree with you as far as him showing. With some juice. He only gets. He only had two catches. One went for five yards. I think that was his first catch. The diving grab he had against Green Bay, and the second one was that um, the nice eighteen yarder against uh, against the against the Bengals, where he caught it well short of the sticks, broke a couple tackles, and then showed some nice juice after the catch. And he's another guy who I would have liked to see. I mean, he, like I said, he, he did get more playing time as the year as the year went on, especially down the stretch. Yeah. But he's another guy where I felt like you know. Maybe decrease some of Sammy's workload a bit and then get him on the field some more. And then there were times where he was actually wide open and just didn't get targeted. But by the time they decided to get Wallace on the field, they were at a point where they just weren't using their X receiver at all. Uh, I, you know, they used Bateman a little bit, but they didn't use the other guys at all. And and so they they had Watkins off the field at the end of the year. In fact, Watkins had some I want to say at about 37 snaps total the last three games. One game he only had three snaps coming off COVID, and and uh, and then I thought it might have 14 and 20 in the other two, or, or it's thereabouts. And even when they did get Wallace on the field, and Wallace might have had 50 snaps over that same period, um, they, they still weren't throwing the ball to, to the X receiver very much. It just it, it wasn't part of the offensive game plan because of uh, you know how difficult it was to keep Huntley standing in the pocket and not looking. Andrews, second read quickly, get rid of the football no matter what. Uh, just did not seem to be part of the playing. And I'm not, I, by the way, I'm not criticizing the Ravens' game plan down the stretch. They had to deal with a lot of crap personnel. You're not having your running backs, having your second string quarterbacks, and having two tackles who are, you know, one who's not doing the job at all, and the other who's, who's struggling like hell to do the job. Uh, on the right side is is not where you want to be. And uh, obviously they had to make a, a lot of concessions to those personnel groups. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the potential of Tyler Wallace heading to year two. Um, I don't think he's gonna, you know, burst on the scene or by any means, but I definitely think, uh, you know, uh, the James per, James Prochet s role role for him next year. You know, just a slight uptick, nothing, nothing really huge. So the much-beloved Miles Boykin uh, had, I believe, two targets this year, though one of them might have been wiped out by penalty later yeah. in the year. But he yeah. had pro football uh, reference a catch against the Chargers. For... Yeah, I was just going to say pro, Go ahead. pro football ref- reference has him. One target, one reception, six yards. Right, that was that was back in the Chargers game. I think there was there's another play he got chewed out for later in the year. It was in the corner of the end zone, and Harbaugh actually you know was talking to him on the sideline. You could pick him up, and it's obvious exactly what he's saying. It's saying basically you got to come back for the football and make that catch. Don't let that defender get in there and make a play on the football. And it was it was right in the corner of the end zone. Might have been against Cincinnati. Might have been one of the other games late where uh, you know he had an opportunity to to, to make a play, didn't do it, and. Uh, and I don't doubt that that has really hurt him. Um, he'll go into year four, uh, Miles will, as a fourth-year player. And there's a lot of reasons to believe that he might be cut, that, that he won't be around. But the first is that uh, in terms of salary, uh, they can they can save some cap. And it's about $2.75 million is his cap number next year, and 2.54 of that can be saved. He has a little bit of prorated bonus still, but he had some escalators he earned. And so his, his base salary is 2.54 next year. And, and that can be saved if the Ravens cut him. I think you're going to really have a hard time keeping him uh, in year four, though. He may be, he can may come to camp. It's possible. He uh, powers is in a similar boat might get traded. Uh, either of them could agree to a lower salary, I guess, to stay with the Ravens. I don't think either of them. Well, I don't think Boykin is likely to stay with the Ravens at that number. Yeah, I don't even know if uh, the fact Bateman would be. I mean, not Bateman. Uh, Boykin would be even like 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 a, a tradable asset at this point. You know, we're talking about a guy mm-hmm. who barely, barely played this past season, who by many people's metrics outside of you know the Ravens has underwhelmed. You know, I I I remember watching the Packers game and watching Alan Lazard do that thing, do his thing. You know both as a blocking receiver and as a you know primary pass ca- a secondary pass catcher to Devontae Adams now that that's what the Ravens want Miles Boykin to be you know a guy who could not just block his ass off but also you know catch the ball and contribute in the passing game as well so um I'm, I think I, I think I think Boykin would benefit from a fresh start I just don't think at this point I, he he'd be worth anything more than a conditional seventh round pick if if that oh they, I, I don't believe they'll get anything for him with the with the two point five four million dollars salary. If they negotiated to lower, then they could possibly trade him. But there's no way with that with that salary that anybody's picking that up. So they'll look to they'll wait for him to be cut, and other teams will then put in uh, not waiver claims on him, but they'll but they'll call him on the phone and try and get him to sign a contract at a lower value. So. Anyway, uh, frustrating. I mean, there's a lot of Miles Boykin uh, lovers in Baltimore, and uh, and it unfortunately didn't work out. It's just one of those selections that got away from the Ravens. Uh, what do you look for them to do? Because we mentioned a couple guys in terms of Watkins and Boykin, who I don't think either of us believes will be here next year. Nope. So who do you think the Ravens go into 2022 with? Uh, so Hollywood, of course. Bateman, of course. Uh, Duvernay, of course. Prochet, so that's four. Wallace, that's five. So I mean, I could see them adding either another guy, you know, in in the draft. They have like what, like a million fourth round picks. Um, I could see them adding, uh, 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 you know, a guy no no higher than. I mean, if there's a guy with a high value somewhere, like you know, in, in late day two, 
maybe, but I most likely don't see them spending no more, no higher than a fourth round pick on a on a, on a receiver um, if they go that route. And then probably I would say another Sammy Watkins type deal for a veteran, but it might you know bring in a couple bring in a couple of vets. Um, they do have some guys on the practice squad, you know, from this past, you know, uh, what's that? Uh, Benjamin Victor and some of the other guys. Benjamin might, Victor. Yeah, yeah. Some of those guys might might get a, might get a second shot, might get a sniff. He's training camp bodies for sure. But as far as like their approach towards the offseason, I mean, this 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 position group isn't as is in dire straits as it's been projected in the past. I mean, they have talent. Uh, Eric DeCosta, you know, he's he put the reverse Ozzie Newsome. He's invested some really high draft capital in these um in the, at this position group, and it's, it's starting to pay off dividends. I mean, Hollywood Brown, as much as, you know, we maligned him second half of the stretch, he still he still put up career highs across the board, went over 1,000 yards. Ravens had to have a 1,000-yard receiver since Mike Wallace. So, um, and he, he wasn't even homegrown. Last homegrown receiver went over 1,000 yards with Story Smith in 2014. So, um, like I said, this, this position group is, I wouldn't necessarily call it a strength, but it's no longer a, a, a glaring weakness. Okay, uh, that's fair enough. Uh, and uh, there's always a lot of people who look at the receiving group, uh, particularly the, the folks on Twitter, and, and are very excited by any free agent receiver that becomes available. I want you to remember the Sammy Watkins signing here as being the kind of one that the Ravens could be able to afford. Because any big-name wide receiver, they can't afford, not with their other needs. They've got way too many other things to do with their money than they'd be piddling around with a, with a 10 or $12 million receiver. So the, the best they're going to do in terms of dollars spent, I mean the most they're going to do, not the best, is about $5 million. And I don't think there's one of those signings coming. I think there could be a vet minimum guy coming if they really like him as a combination of a special teams or some specialist receiving role, or or there could be a uh, uh, you know a, just another draft pick and they fight it out that way and they work through the season using the practice squad as needed. Yeah, only, only guy like Orc, you know, that might go the cap casualty route if somebody gets cut. Um, but I guess the only guy, like as far as impending free agents that I might that I might like because I, I liked him a lot um, last year around the you know, free agency time is Rashard Higgins for the Browns. He's a guy who's been underutilized for the Browns for a long time. Mm-hmm. Nice, good possession receiver. Um, his nickname is Hollywood too. Um, but uh, also, like I said, he's he's a, he's a guy I've liked for a while, and for some reason, he's been really underutilized in um, in Cleveland even after they traded away. Odell. Odell Beckham. It was kind of just Donovan People Jones or a tight end down there for them. So I think uh, I think he might be fed up with the Browns. And you know, if the Ravens want to give him a sniff, I wouldn't mind that at all. Otherwise, it's probably the draft. Yeah. So Higgins, you, we're, we're certainly talking about a number that's not going to be extraordinarily large, nope. but maybe he's a guy you get not too much above the vet minimum, or maybe you, you get him for two years and a, and a premium to that minimum of a million total over those over that period. Uh, I, I would certainly hope he's not going to be a three to five million dollar guy because that's the that's the point at which I probably got to say no on that one. Yeah, no, he he used to be like a rotational rotational piece kind of guy. Okay, last last guy I want to talk about is is last thing I want to talk about is Brown's impending fifth year uh, option that will come up in I think it's May. They have to decide on it. Uh, maybe before then, maybe before the draft. I'm not really honestly sure, but they, they have to decide on it. It'll be in the $13 million range that they'll have to pay him for year five. And remember, he's just entering year four. And the way the mechanics of this work out is that uh, if, when he's before his fourth season, you got to buy into his fifth season and guarantee that guarantee that money. I don't know that the Ravens, it's a, it's a slam dunk that the Ravens do this. Yeah, um, honestly, I, I don't either. Um, I, 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 I'm leaning towards more yes than 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 no. 
But um, I said um, I'm not sure what I said. when the deadline is. It's probably before the draft. So I um I don't know. Like like I, I feel like if Lamar goes to the table for him, they'll definitely consider it. Um, you know, just because they, that's kind of like Lamar's guy at the, at the position and on the team outside of Andrews. Um, but uh, like I said, I, I, I'm on, currently I'm on the fence about. Like, I know he just put up you know career, career high numbers, and if we can get that guy we saw for the first eight weeks for an entire season, then, you know, sign me up for that. But even then, it's just um, I feel like at, at this, there's so many good receivers that come out in the draft each year that I don't think you necessarily need to, you know, ex- you know keep all your first-round guys if that first-round guy is like a world-class talent. Yeah, it's if to me, if they're going to do it, they, they have to – they're almost committing to sign him long-term because you don't want him for one year at 13 million. You might want him for three years for 45 million building up, mm-hmm. but you don't want him for one year at 13 million. And, and I'm, I just, I'm not sure the Ravens are down for that. I just, I, I think, you know, that's a, that's a really big commitment. It's a, you know, it's a cornerstone contract. Obviously that we were talking about, you only get to have about six or eight of those on the whole team. To, and you, and you, you got to pick them carefully. Maybe Brown is a guy you do that for, and maybe he isn't. I I, I am leaning towards they probably do it, uh, but I think that the, it, it, the pick definitely comes with some baggage, and part of that baggage may be how they have to say goodbye to to Hollywood and how that affects their relationship with Lamar. So uh, maybe for that reason, as you mentioned, this is, is a reason they do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Josh, great having you on. Uh, we're trying to keep these shows a little bit short. Is there anything else about the receiver group you want to talk about before we let this go? Um, no, no. We pretty much hit, hit all the bases. Just um, just give my guy Jim Porsche some more some more chances, man. The guy produced every time he gets on the field. So just I'd like to see him get more opportunities to get out there next year. All right, me too, and uh, and I'm I'm surprised that Prochet had the kind of year he did, uh, even in limited targets. I mean, he seemed like a, a very traditional Ravens camp darling, but ended up being being much more than that, a very reliable receiver for the time he was in there. Uh, tell folks once again their Twitter handle, uh, Josh Reed nine zero seven. All right. So that can be kind of difficult to find. You have to kind of really type the whole thing in. There's a lot of Josh Reeds out there, but this is the one you want to follow for Ravens content. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short anytime this off season, if you have a particular passion you'd like to talk about that is narrow in focus, always want to do that so we can go fairly deep on it, uh, contact me. Twitter DMs are open. I'd love to talk to you about it at some point on a show this off season. Uh, if you have graphs you want to show, statistical analysis, a study you've done, Anything like that, all fair game. Again, love to hear from you. We can do a video ex- uh, episode if it warrants it. Uh, contact me anyway again uh, via Twitter. Uh, Josh, thanks again for coming on for this episode. Thanks for having me, kid. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. <laughs> Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done.